0: Welcome to Brandside, a new podcast by Celtra, where
1: we interview marketing, creative operations, and design leaders to find out what life is like in-house first agency side and how big creative ideas come to life at the world's best brands. This is Brandside by Seltra.
0: Listeners and welcome to Celtra's Brandside APAC episode. My name is Rishida Vasewala. I'm the general manager for APAC at CELTRA. This episode is going to be a very memorable one as I am recording this session from Dubai. I finally managed to get out of Singapore after two long years to meet my family and friends, and it feels so amazing. All right, I can go on about this forever, but we have a more interesting topic to discuss with a very special guest, Abbas Shaheen. So our topic for today is moving Pakistan forward from offline to online. And in this session, we'll be talking about digital transformation and how that impacts performance marketing as well as organizational growth. As mentioned earlier, our guest speaker for today, Abbas Shaheen, is the Managing Director for Mobility at Vaikia, who's in charge of optimizing sales processes, customer acquisition, and marketing performance. He'll be talking us through his efforts to move Pakistan forward through technology. Before Baikia, Abbas launched and led the moto category at Uber across Pakistan and East Africa and also developed the growth strategies for the overall low-cost portfolio. He was also associated with OMD New York, a global media communications agency where he managed marketing analytics for multiple accounts including Pepsi, Starbucks, Lipton and other brands. In addition, He also was awarded a master's degree in integrated marketing, specializing in analytics from New York University. We're so excited to bring Abbas's expertise to the show today. Welcome, Abbas.
1: Thank you so much for the warm welcome. Glad to be here. And uh, yeah.
0: Abbas, I would love to learn more about your role. And tell us, our listeners, as a managing director of mobility at Bike what does your day-to-day look like?
1: basically my role involves a little bit of everything customer facing side right so it is everything from uh, helping out roadmap product features and what needs to be built the kind of things we need to look at from an analytical perspective how to allocate budget into marketing and operations right so every day looks a little bit different every month we have a different problem to tackle that keeps on changing the kind of tactics we use so it's, it's a, an ever-changing environment but broadly speaking this is this is what my role entails
0: great yeah i really like the way you're saying that you know the day to day always changes right and i think it's all about galvanizing your teams towards that one common objective so you know we uh, mentioned about you know moving from offline to online and i think bike here's uh, tagline is pretty much aligned with that and we we really love the fact uh, what, your, what, what it says, which is moving Pakistan forward. So Abbas, tell us this, you know, in a country that's very, you know, largely traditional, what kind of marketing strategies are you using to push the digital transformation conversation forward? Like, how do you do these strategies in a way that look different from what it was typically done in our, or what is being done in other parts of Asia?
1: So I think there will always be certain similarities with similar markets, and there will be slight nuances as well because each market operates a little bit differently. I think in terms of just overall, uh, the kind of things we're doing, which to sort of take our customer base online in terms of digitalization, I think it, it stems right from, when we talk about marketing, it stems right from how we're portraying our product and how we're even building our product for the customer. So I think one of the realizations we had earlier in in Baikia was most of Pakistan, unlike a lot of other countries, does not actually type on digital platforms in their own language, right? So it's it's very hard to uh, for people to type in, in Urdu. And a lot of people don't, right? They use Roman Urdu uh, or they use English. And now we see a trend of people starting to write in Urdu a little bit more, especially on WhatsApp. But by and large, people don't tend to write on Urdu, right? So, but at the same time, they tend to read better in Urdu. So we've seen that as well, that like most of Pakistan, or at least the cities we operate in, which is the three major cities, Karachi, Lahore, and Islamabad, Urdu as a, as a means of communication becomes a little bit more important. And that's not something we've seen products being built in. Right? We've, we've historically seen products being built in English. So Baikia was one of the first products to actually try and cater to that uh, localization and realize that people are not going to be willing to write in Urdu. So they need a lot of click and play. They need to select things as opposed to type things out. And they need to be able to read our our app in Urdu. So I think it started off from that prioritization and then portraying that prioritization in the market, obviously through different channels, uh, whether that was at earlier stage or or at, at a later stage, whether that was through PR or through our digital marketing communications Everything started being a little bit more about the local language, right? right? So that was one of the key things that I think we've done differently, not just in Pakistan, but also in in the region. Uh, and I think that that communication is, is something that that we still do today, right? It is it has gone on for the last five years. So if you look at our Facebook campaigns or Google campaigns or or most of the stuff that we do, a lot of it, even if not all, but a lot of it still happens in, in, in Urdu. Now, this, this may seem like a very uh, small thing to change, but I think this is one of those things that has sort of endeared us to the market a little bit and also allowed us to tap into one of those untapped markets in Pakistan, right? So we always talk about how the biggest audience in Pakistan is the middle-class audience. But when we look at most of the marketing or most of the or most of the products that are built, they're not built for the middle class. They're built for people who come from a very specific socioeconomic background, people who have higher affordability, people who have certain educational background, people who are generally more tech savvy. So Baikia took on the challenge of trying to target more middle classes in in Pakistan to create convenience and affordability um, in, in transport, commerce, and payments. And I think that's what our guiding principle has been. How do we continuously localize? How do we sort of for the want of a better word, right? Dump everything down. We we typically shy away from things that will have, you know, very high talkability because it's going to be super witty, right? Because we know that talkability is going to come from an audience that is not our audience. We we try to avoid puns, we try to avoid controversy in our in our messaging, which is something we've seen work very, very well for other companies. But in in once again, in a very specific socioeconomic segment. So we've actually taken the simple approach, right? We say, let's not try to overcomplicate things. Let's see what works for our audiences, and let's try and build up very slowly, iteratively on that, right? Whether that's, like I said, using just a simple switch of language, a not so simple switch of building your product in in Urdu where people don't have to type, which means your checkout processes are longer, which means your processes in terms of the consumer journey are a little bit longer, but it avoids, you know, getting people to type. So I think that's, that's how we've been a little bit different. And I think when we talk about the product marketing side, I think that's just different from the rest of the countries as well. Generally, people tend to follow the best practices in case these that have come out of the Western markets where, you know, the smaller the checkout process or the smaller the process of the consumer journey, the better it is for the consumer. They care about their own journey and how can we simplify it for them? Is it getting them to call us and saying, can you send us an idea? Is it just tapping through the app and selecting the pickup and, and drop offs? by reading them as opposed to by having to type them out. So I think that's one of the things we've done a little bit differently. Keep things simple. Keep things very, very relevant to audience that we want to target. Do not get sucked into global or local trends if they don't fit into your audience needs or wants. And then lastly, keep your product simple enough that you can market it well. But I think that's that's what by and large our strategy has been in terms of transforming these digital Uh, these audiences to a digital platform, but also internally as a tactic, seeing what works well for us.
0: Excellent. I think that was super insightful, Abbas. I I think uh, you made some really relevant points. You know, I I kind of summarize this into two parts. One is the UI being friendly. And it also reminds me of the tagline that Philips has, which is like, keep it simple, right? So keep the platform simple and keep it intuitive so that, you know, it it reduces the, the laborious task that most users go through when they have to book anything. And then, uh, you know, like you said earlier, that it's got to have, there will always be similarities in strategies. And, you know, when we speak to different markets and different marketers from different regions or different uh, markets within Asia itself, I think it all boils down to that localization. And then at the end of the day, it's about, understanding your customer, not really blindly following the trends, but knowing your customer really well and then building a strategy from there on. Yes,
1: definitely.
0: Yeah. So, okay. Uh, You know, I think that just brings me to my next question. Uh, You know, when we're we're talking about tech startup now, and so whenever there's one such uh, startup that's on the rise, there's always bound to be some sort of resistance from people who are used to the old ways of doing things. And I'm talking about like people within the organization and by being a super app, like how are you managing expectations with people who are in favor of the traditional way of, ride hailing. So this is more of you know talking about the external stakeholders and th- those are your consumers. Do you see any similarities with other parts of Asia?
1: So uh, yes, once again, I think uh, one key difference that we have, so bike here primarily operates on, on bike taxis, right? Whereas uh, the other competitors, and prior to this, I was at Uber as well. I think there was a portfolio of cars and then Three wheelers, which are called rickshaws, and then uh, motorbikes as well. So I think the traditional way of ride hailing in Pakistan, unlike primarily in Southeast Asia, did not exist on on the bike taxi business. Right in in major cities, you would not see ride hailing in a traditional way or street street hailing. Right, street hailing does not exist as a concept. Did not exist as a concept in 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 Karachi, Lahore, or Islamabad uh, when it came to bike taxis. It was predominantly on three wheelers. Which are rickshaws, right? So you'd see, you still see a lot of traditional ride-hailing going on on the streets outside of offices, outside of colleges with these rickshaws. Uh, you still see taxis available in certain parts of the city, although that trend has died down to a considerable extent. But they're still present and and around. But that didn't exist as much on on the bike side of things, on the motorbike side side of things. So I think one of the things that has happened is we didn't initially face a lot of resistance we've had it the other way around right we've created the culture or bikeya created the culture of of the bike taxi ride hailing uh Baikia was the first player in pakistan to launch the motorcycle ride-hailing, right so the the rest of the competition followed that trend however the challenge we now face is because people understand that you know hey you can use your bike to do it why not use your bike to do it given that pakistan the most the most frequently used mode of communication is a motorbike, right? Motorbikes are easily accessible. They're not super expensive. Most households have them. So people have started realizing, Hey, we can use, you know, a traditional street hailing. So our struggle is actually the opposite, right? How do we stop people working on our platform, right? To do offline ride hailing. So that's, that's, that's what we always focus on. How do we retain people on the online side? And now that we've launched rickshaws uh, in the last few months as well in, in Karachi and Lahore, obviously now we're trying to figure out how to get the, the three wheeler community back onto the platform or onto the Vaikya platform, right? And I think there uh, you face a little bit more of an external resistance because rickshaws in, in Pakistan are predominantly a communal network. They have unions, they have a very strong sense of community within uh, within it, they have informal ways of you know, identifying areas where certain rickshaw drivers will operate and certain will not. So it becomes a little bit more trickier when you try and solve for that. So I think the way in always is to gain trust or the better way in usually is to get trust of of these communities and try and show them that there's actually a value prop for them to be a part of the, the digitized network right or the new way of working as you were calling it so i think in 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 terms of the customer side or the or the or the, or the our partner driver side it's it's always just how do we, we become a part of that community how do we get them on board and then how we how do we get them to understand the benefits of working with bikeia and that involves negotiating with these communities and unions that involves you know creating referral programs for them that involves convincing them as uh, as a, as a as a human being, as a, as a personalized experience for them, when they come in and you, you, know, sit down with them and talk to them. So a lot of it is still relationship management, right? Uh, when it comes to these communal networks, especially when you're dealing with unions on the other side, on the bike taxi side, I think we've, we've sort of lucked out, uh, I would say, as opposed to markets, like some of the markets like East Africa or Southeast Asia, where the, the street hail uh, or the traditional ride hailing business is, is pretty big. And, and easily available. So we didn't have to face that challenge. I think on the customer side, however, it's it's a little bit trickier because like I said, we try to target our middle-class audience, which is not always tech savvy, right? So if the reason for uh, using only bike taxi was because the unit economics make more sense. Uh, it's very easy to acquire a bike for people who actually need to earn uh, supplementary income as opposed to people who have cars. And I think that sort of bet paid off for us a little bit. But at the same time, there's a challenge, right? On how do we get people on the customer side who have lower affordability to use by Kia, people who are not traditionally tech savvy, people whose phones have, who, where storage in a phone is prime real estate, right? Because these people have phones that are not going to be your premium end or high end or flagship phones. These are going to be phones with 32 GB or 16 GB of, of storage space. So installing a 50 MB or a 40 MB app would mean uninstalling another app. And you can't get these people to uninstall their social apps like YouTube and, 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 you know, WhatsApp, that's, that's something that all people will have. So it, it, the customer side became becomes a little bit trickier And how do you keep on acquiring these customers and, and showing them that there's a, a digitized way of, you know, adding convenience to your transport. And I think there, we've come leaps and bounds, obviously, in in paid digital marketing simply because of the proliferation of these social apps. So I think that sort of helps us with, with WhatsApp, Facebook, and, and YouTube available across most audiences, if not all. Right? What we do struggle with trying to digitize right now is obviously women audiences because culturally it's very hard to overcome that resistance that hey a woman in pakistan is taking ride on a motorbike with a stranger guy right which is also partially why we uh, wanted to move on to rickshaws to sort of bring women audiences onto here. so i think that's one of the key struggles that that has been very hard uh, that we see a lot of cultural resistance from uh, and these women will typically use the traditional ride-hailing way, but not on bikes on rickshaws, right? So I think that's that's one of the things we still have to figure out on how do you get women onto the platform? How do you come up over the cultural resistance as opposed yeah. to people who are used to the older way of doing things in, in other ways? So I think that's on the external side.
0: What, what are your thoughts on marketing automation specifically and its adoption in Pakistan?
1: So I think it's it's for us, it's historically always been when we're trying to move anything towards better processes and better automation, especially on the marketing side, it's it's more about bandwidth for us as opposed to anything else. So I think the intent within Bykea has always been to automate whatever possible as long as it can be done cost efficiently. So one thing I will say in Pakistan when you talk about startups, right, one of the things that all startups are cautious about when they're moving to automation is the cost efficiency of it, right? Unfortunately, most of the tools that are proven, I'm not saying good, I'm I'm sure there's going to be lots of local players that are working on good tools, but tools that have been globally proven to, you know, make processes better or or drive good automation are uh, driven from external markets, which, which means that, the the economics of using them doesn't always work in Pakistan. So I think that's one of the things that we're always cautious about. And I I don't think Bykea will be unique in that sense. I think most startups in Pakistan will be a little bit more cautious of building automations versus buying automations, right? So buying automations will generally vary off. We do have tools that we've integrated with our platforms that allow us to do better customer relationship management and retargeting. And I think a lot of that automation is built on segmenting our customers Making sure that each segment of the customer gets a different messaging, a different offer, and and that's always running, right? And that has massively changed the engagement of of customers with Baikia. So I think in that sense we're we're trying to automate or have to a certain extent automated the existing customer engagement that Baikia has At the same time, I would also say that this uh, this this journey in in Pakistan is generally on on an earlier side. Uh, as opposed to a more mature site. Forecasting and predictions on, on how customers will behave is still very, very new. You don't see a lot of localized learnings, even within external tools or global tools for that. So I think that's a lot of stuff that you have to build in or model in, and we do it using our current data science team, right? when we profile our, our uh, existing customers and our existing partners and assign them scores and all of that. But I think that's, that's, that's a harder thing to automate uh, when we talk about data science in marketing, right? How do we build the right learnings for the future as opposed to learnings from the past or learnings from the existing customer behavior? I think that's where I think we would be lacking a little bit. I think in the industry overall, there is resistance to it. Obviously, Pakistan historically has been a very agency-led business, not specifically in startups, but just overall, especially when you talk about the more traditional businesses. And it's very hard to shift away from that. Programmatic marketing is still very, very new and and you haven't seen a lot of success stories happen from that and programmatic is not new in in most parts of the world, right? Um, There's there's, uh, not a lot of focus on the analytics side of marketing or the attribution side of marketing from a traditional marketing view, whereas there's a lot of studies that go on and there's a lot of analytics work that goes in, uh, especially in the Western and European markets, even on the traditional marketing side. So I think that's that's where we as an industry lack a little bit, and I think there is resistance both from an agency side, where there may be an issue of capacity, and then obviously uh, some resistance into adopting new stuff, or or just that exposure that is missing right now. And then on the industry side, I think the larger, more traditional companies, whether they're multinationals or local companies, have historically before this this you know, sort of like a new advent of startups coming into the industry have sort of been resistance to changing the way of working. There are a few that that have digitized well, have have put in a lot of automation in marketing, in place, a lot of personalization in, in communication as well. But by and large, uh, the traditional industry in Pakistan is still resistant to it. When you talk about Baikia, like I said, it's not an intent problem. I think wherever we've been able to build automation, we have most of that automation work has gone into communication and engaging and offers with our existing customers. Uh, I wouldn't say that we're at a space where we're doing well. I think we're at a space where we are experimenting and trying to do well. Right. And like I said, a lot of that though, that automation hasn't come out to proactive reach of new customers. It's it's mostly on customer engagement and relationship management with our existing customers. And that's where most of Baikia's automation lie. I don't think there's an internal resistance to be honest. I, at least by intent, I, I don't think there's an internal resistance. The resistance lies in processes. It's very hard to shift, keep on shifting processes um, to newer ones to make sure that we're doing you know, uh, what we want to do and what we need to do. So I think there's always a lag in intent and action. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And how do you see this across like in pa- Pakistan as a market, uh, you know, just as a as a marketer? What, what do you feel about the receptivity of the market when it comes to any kind of automation software? I, I do understand that, you know, Baikia is probably at the forefront and adopter of uh, early adopter of uh, automation, be it automation or, you know, improving consumer engagement. But uh, how do you see other organizations in in Pakistan? Where do you feel is a gap, and where do you feel like they're, you know, front
1: runners? So I think one of the things they've, at least the startup side of the industry, has done well is put the basics in place. So at at a basic customer engagement level, where you have rule based engines, you know, if customer does X, trigger Y kind of thing. I think that's the kind of work that a lot of startups are now adopted to, right? I think one of the things, even within the 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 organizations that are at the front of this adoption, I think there will be very few, if any, that have moved to a completely personalized profile right of of a customer
0: It's great to hear that you know there are just like other startups in. Other emerging markets, Pakistan is doing pretty much the same thing. So, uh, yeah. Abbas, you, you loosely mentioned about um, you know the automation that helps with the consumer engagement, and then you also touched upon localization. So, when it comes to your team strength, like how are you maximizing that to make sure that your campaign messaging is engaging and it's relatable to different audience group? How are you ensuring that you know are that automation is helping? With, with, your, with your team's effort?
1: I think it, it mostly goes by two things, right? One, making sure that your communication is effective, whether that is in terms of reaching the target that we had or through A-B testing, whether that's on paid platforms or through other means. So I think that's one of the key things. And, if the, and we believe that if the results are coming in, the team is doing something right. Right, So I think that's one proxy of looking at uh, whether teams are finding it useful or not. I think the second thing is obviously the adoption rate. You can put in as many technologies in place, not just in marketing, but overall for organization as well, and, and bring in as much digitization you want. But if you don't see a lot of time being spent using those platforms to achieve the outcomes you want, I think that that just goes to show that we're not implementing the right technologies or the right solutions for our team in place. So I think it's a constant feedback cycle uh, both in terms of just looking at adoption but also just direct feedback right we're not a massively large team we still pretty much know most people that work in the org as a person so you would know by face by name most other people in the organization so I think that that sort of helps right now at our stage because when you have that level of personalization in terms of relationships that feedback loop becomes a little bit quicker
0: Absolutely. So, you know, Abbas, tell us, like, what role does brand building play in keeping here top of mind? How do you balance maintaining brand consistency while challenging the status quo to perform better? And also, if you can shed a little light on, you know, your growth marketing uh, campaigns.
1: Got it. So I think on the brand side, we've just taken an approach where different things have worked for different cities, right? Historically, Karachi has been our biggest market. It, it was the earliest market we launched as well, and it's a it's a working class market, right? So people value utility, right? In in Karachi, it's it's yeah. if you can sell them utility and convenience, they they're going to buy that. So our our entire campaigns historically, whether that's Vidi DVCs that we've put out, or whether that's out of home branding, or whether that's our paid marketing campaigns on on digital platforms, everything has revolved around you know, pricing and utility. And and that seemed to work. And then we used the same strategy initially in, in, in the northern part of the country, which is Lahore and Islamabad. And it didn't seem to click as much, right? And then we sort of figured out how Lahore is actually a more aspirational city, right? In terms of, and I, I'm using the term aspiration in terms of brand, right? They want, to, they want to use brands that are positioned as a little bit more high-end, that are positioned as witty, as funny, Uh, as local, right, Uh, speaking the Punjabi language, not just Urdu. So I think there, we we sort of switched our approach a little bit, our communication a little bit, uh, especially on the new customer acquisition side, to speak this local lingo and also to position Baikia as a slightly more, you know, integrated brand as opposed to just a utilitarian brand. And then once we got that growth in, we could start thinking of ways to bring brand consistency. So I think earlier stage, you don't have to worry about brand consistency as much that recognition of your brand at a national level doesn't exist as strongly. So you can get away with a lack of brand consistency within, within different or between different cities. I think that's the approach we took. Islamabad had a different color scheme on shop boards and, and our our paid marketing activities. Lahore had a different approach in terms of its taglines and the kind of PR and influencer marketing that we were doing. And then Karachi, obviously, like I mentioned, was more utilitarian, more price specific and that's what drove that growth. So I think we've kept the strategy that we'll get to consistency when we've built a certain level of a brand and that's what we did then, right? Now our brand messaging is a little bit more consistent across cities. We change communications by city, but the brand messaging is consistent and we've seen we've seen that work, right? Because now Bike is becoming more of a national brand as opposed to a city specific brand. So I think that's on the on the branding side of things. That's that's what we've done to keep it you know top of mind of people just localize it to suit the regional needs as opposed to the national needs on the paid marketing funnel right i think i think we primarily uh, have focused as opposed to experimenting a lot we we focused more on the traditional paid marketing tools uh, whether that's on social media or whether that's search engines uh, we use obviously video uh, as well as one of our marketing tools most of our campaigns are built towards acquiring customers i think that's one of the things that we've done well in terms of cost efficiencies as well as scalability i think we don't focus a lot on brand awareness when we talk about paid marketing and building healthy funnels i think most of our funnels are done with the goal of a conversion and what that conversion whether that's on mobility or on food or on uh whatever else right is is a separate thing but most of the funnels we build we what we call a healthy funnel is a funnel that's leading to a conversion right Uh, on digital we don't as much care about brand awareness or engagement because one of the things we've realized is that our Pakistani market is still in terms of population too massive to not focus on conversion right now and the brand will sort of build itself when you have enough people who are using your services so I think our brand building when it, when we talk about paid is more about acquiring customers using tactics and channels that will reach out to the customers we want mostly using at this stage local-like audiences and then reaching out to new audiences unless obviously we go for targeting something like a rickshaw, which would be a newer gender for us to target on onto the bikeya platform. And look lookalike audiences would sort of ignore that. So I think that's that's what our historical approach has been. Focus on customer acquisition on the digital and the growth marketing side of things.
0: Right. Very interesting. So I'm going to switch gears a bit of us and ask you, like, for those who have skills within digital marketing, what steps can they take to become successful growth marketers? We'd love to hear some tips from you. How has this approach contributed to your personal career success?
1: I think one of the key things that has changed, especially in the last four years from my time to, you know, looking at analytics and learning all these digital platforms after graduation to now is that every day you see a lot of maturity come into digital platforms, especially like Google and Facebook. Right, And whereas initially you would have been better off trying to set parameters on a campaign and And you know, trying to use your own brain to run things. what we've now come to a stage is that the learning algorithms on these platforms are smart enough to outsmart most people, right? So I think one of the key things i would I would say to all digital marketeers is if this is the only thing in your portfolio that you do well to grow in your career, it will not be enough, right? If what you can do is a lot of really good media buying on digital, you need to diversify your strength or your skill set sooner rather than later into other things right and other things that are complementary and would sort of widen your ambit from just media buying onto these platforms into or the budget allocation onto these platforms and, and you know creative allocation because now if you look at it there's a lot of guidelines from facebook and google and, and youtube on, on what kind of creatives is going like how many words can fit in what's the white space that you need what's the space that can be filled by text so it's sort of they've they've defined it to a science right so what i think to bring thought leadership and different avenues into into turning someone from just someone who's doing digital buying or doing digital paid marketing into actually transitioning into growth marketing is one you really need to get into deep diving in analytics, right? And I don't mean just digital analytics. You have to learn marketing analytics as a whole. And that doesn't involve data science, but mostly on the analytics side of things, How do you deep dive into numbers? How do you segment your customers better? How do you actually figure out what digital is working for and what it's not, who it's not working for, right? Which is a trickier thing to answer for anyone. Forget however good they are. Then trying to figure out obviously what kind of profiles and and segments need to be targeted on what digital channels, as opposed to, you know, relying on the the learning algorithms of these platforms themselves. And I think one other thing that I would, I would suggest is just be aware of, of what's going on in the market.
0: Yeah. Abbas, thank you so much for those amazing insights and telling us uh, more about uh, Ikea, how you guys operate. I think, you know, just like many of our other episodes, our listeners are definitely going to enjoy this one equally, if not more. You know, so, you know, one last question. If listeners would like to connect with you, how can they do that?
1: I'm I'm always open to connecting on on LinkedIn. I don't have a, despite having spent my early career very deeply in marketing, I don't have a big social presence outside of LinkedIn, but they can reach out to me at abas.shahed at nyu.edu. They can also uh, connect with me on LinkedIn and that would also be fine. Brilliant.
0: Abbas, thank you once again. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed listening to uh, your responses and got a lot of takeaways and I'm sure listeners will too. Thank you.
1: You've been listening to Brandside. If you like what you heard, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about creative production automation, visit Seltra.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time.